0: rants on all aspects of endurance sports, and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. All right, here we go. I'm back, and uh, it's been quite some time since I produced a decent podcast, and I find myself apologizing more often than I should, um, but truth of the matter is I've been really busy, as I said last time I, I did a podcast, but I've been really interested in seeing this opportunity to bring this young, new, fresh face into OCR onto my podcast. And um, today we finally pulled it off. I want to introduce the world at large to Nell Rojas. Nell, say hello to my audience. Hello. A little more enthusiasm. I want people to just feel the (laughs) bubbly exuberance that you hold and such and such. So those that don't know now, now, what I understand now, your marathon time being, what, 2.31 at CIM, right? Yep. 2.31. Now, is that not like an Olympic qualifying time?
1: Um, it is. It is. Um, it's an A standard Olympic qualifying, Olympic trials qualifying
0: time. Yeah, that's, that's what I understood. And uh, let's get a couple other numbers, if you don't mind sharing. Well, first of all, what distance is your favorite distance to run?
1: My well, now it's the marathon. Okay. Um, I've run one of them, and um, I had a I had a really great experience, so I I have to say, and it you know it was the best race I've um, produced, so I'd say
0: the marathon. Okay. Now, did it surprise you when you finished that well?
1: Um, It did, yeah. Um, Going into it, I knew I wanted to hit an Olympic trials qualifier. I wanted to hit the A standard, which is 237. So um, that's what my goal was. And 231 is, you know, I wasn't expecting to to run that fast. But, um, but yeah, I
0: did. You know what? Shame on you for running too fast. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now... (laughs) let me just kind of share with people how I met you. I was at the SoCal Barton event this year and I was there to uh, support a couple of the athletes I work with. Uh, VJ Jones was there and won both days and, and he's somebody I've been working with for a while now. And uh, I saw Nicole Miracle and she runs up and we're saying hello and First thing out of her mouth after she said hello is, "Hey, this is my girlfriend. Now she ran a two thirty one marathon. It's like, <laughs> and you're like, what? Just kind of like hanging out with her, and and, uh, but it seemed like she was so proud to have you there in the sport. Was that your first introduction to Spartan racing?
1: Um, to Spartan, yes. Mm-hmm. Um. I did a couple tough mutters last year, but that was my first Spartan.
0: Yeah. Now I remember what you said. You said, "So, how do you climb over these walls?"
1: (laughs) I was trying to figure out how to get over those.
0: So the the irony of it is, here's your first go around with a Spartan event, and you haven't even figured out how to get over the wall yet. And what did you fin? You finish second, or how did you do? Um,
1: the in SoCal. Yeah. Um, I
0: was first. That's right. That's right. Because I remember telling Nicole, I said, "You don't bring sand to the beach." Because <laughs> <laughs> it was one, two. You you won. She came in second. I said, "Why yeah. do you Why do you bring competition with you to a race?" You know, and you know, I, I, I <laughs> you girls just like to compete. You like to have a good time, and apparently that was what was going on. But you you pulled it off. You you know, you came in first in in your very first Spartan event, which yeah which got a lot of people's attention. It got my attention. And because I'm such a strong advocate of running capacity and skill, I was absolutely a cheerleader of what you pulled off. And now, as you know, I mean, you, I'm sure you train with Nicole. She's quite the runner herself, but um, there you have it. You know, the girls that can run are winning these races. So, now that you, so we're looking at, you did SoCal was a first Spartan, and then you went to Jacksonville. So what are your thoughts moving forward? Are you planning to continue to chase down some of these Spartan events, or what are you thinking?
1: So, um, so yeah, the, the plan was to do the series. Um, I obviously did not do that great in Jacksonville, which is fine. I learned a lot of lessons. Um, a lot of things happened. Um, it, it, it was what it was and, um, great. And, and after Jacksonville, um, I kind of, I have a little bit of a, like a strange hammy. Um, after SoCal, I had a little bit of a strange quad, so, um, so right now what I'm realizing is I, I, do need to tailor my training a little bit more towards this uneven surface. Um, I need to do more stability work. Um, I obviously have a lot of work to do. Um, so I am going to do some more. Um, I'm not going to Alabama, um, next week because of my, um, little, I haven't been able to run since Jacksonville. Oh boy. Um, which is fine. I'm okay with it. Um, I am focused on the Olympic trials, um, this upcoming February. So it's a year from a week ago. Um, and I think I can do well there. Um, so if these races can fit into my Olympic trials schedule, um, I'll go to them and I will continue to work on my grip strength while I'm not at these other races, for example, Alabama, but um, I won't be at all of them.
0: Okay, so you're you're not Uber focused on the series. You're kinda toying with it a little bit, but your eye on the prize is obviously the Olympic qualifiers, right?
1: That's that's right. For this year. And then makes perfect sense. After that, yeah. After that, like I can focus on if I if I don't make the, team, the Olympic team, I can focus on um, OCR, and I think there's there's a lot of options. So,
0: well, I mean, obviously the the Olympic trials holds precedent. I would think if you can make it to the Olympics, of course you're going to try that, right?
1: Um, right, which is you know it's it's a lifelong dream, and um, it's hard because. All my friends, I don't, like. If anyone follows, you know Nicole Miracle on Instagram, all everyone I surround myself with is in OCR, and we do a lot of workouts together. And so it's hard not to get wrapped up in this OCR world because I'm like, oh, you know, blah 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 blah, and then I'm like, wait, I have these trials <laughs> now. Like this yeah. is everyone else is excited about OCR, and I have to like stay focused. So,
0: well, but it, at the end of the day. As you suggested, being able to participate in the Olympic Games is gotta be way, way more important than trying to show up for a Spartan series event. And I'm I'm not trying to diss obstacle course racing, but I would think unless you know, for whatever reason, there's a chance sometime in the future that OCR gets to the Olympics. It's yeah. still going to be a B-class effort. You know what I mean? It's like, and again, I'm I'm not trying to cast dispersion on the sport. I'm just saying that, you know, if I was working with an athlete and they said, look, here's, here's my opportunities. I can either show up and, and compete for the Olympic trials and get an Olympic berth and put our focus into that, or... I can, you know, throw my hat in the ring and see how successful I can be in OCR. Right. What do you think I should do? I mean, it's like a no-brainer, right? You, you right. Would, yeah. Right. I mean, so I'm with you. I am absolutely with you. And so your focus yeah. is going to be the marathon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that it kind of surprised you. I mean, are were you throwing down some pretty significant uh, finish times at that at that distance in your training?
1: So I ran a I ran a half marathon um, maybe six weeks to, or eight weeks before the marathon, and I at, at altitude, so at five thousand feet, I ran um, one fifteen and change. Um, so I kind of knew. Usually at at altitude, you can double your half marathon and get a sea level fast course marathon time. So I was I was aware that you know like wow, like, I'm in shape, like, these longer distances, like, are are for me. You know, like, the longer it gets, like, the more I can hold that pace and the better I am.
0: What kind of volume were you putting in leading into the marathon?
1: Um, big week. So, a big week. So, so my highest mileage was 75 miles, um, which is definitely low, as you know, for a marathoner. Um, but I do do a lot of cross-training. Um, My coach and my dad, same person, are an advocate of lower mileage, um, just for injury purposes, for quality of workout purposes. Um, And then, you know, I I contribute a lot of my success to things like strength training. Um, I swim once or twice a week. I got on the bike once a week. Um, So relatively low mileage, but a lot of cross
0: training. Well, I'm of the opinion that it isn't like you have to be fixed at a particular volume otherwise you 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 can't get it done, but it just very very individualized. I know people that do much much better with high volume and some people cannot do that high volume and be successful. It's just yeah, too agree. much for them.
1: Everyone everyone's different and yeah. I did true.
0: a I did an interview with Leo Manzano a few years ago Uh, Mm -hmm. i think it was right after he won the silver medal at the london olympics and leo told me that he never ever goes beyond about 40 miles a week wow yeah yeah which was crazy compared to his compadres where they were all pushing you know upwards of 125 to as much as 140 miles a week in preparation for the for the games And uh, he said that his focus was always uh, technique oriented and that every step he took on the track was all about making sure that he's running well. And if he found any kind of flaw or fault in the way he was moving, he'd immediately break it down, stop what he was doing, figure out what was going on, sort it out, and then get back to work. And that worked for him. And uh, yeah. So it just really depends on the individual, I think. Um, so seventy-five miles is still very respectable. I think that uh, you could absolutely crush a marathon with a seventy. I, I think the best week I've ever had in running in my life is about a hundred. Uh, excuse me, about a seventy miles myself, and mm-hmm. uh, and that was a lot of work. Seventy miles is a lot of work.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's enough. I mean, there were ty- there were many weeks where or runs where I would I would start on a run and. Like similar to Leo, I would feel like my body like wasn't running well. I felt like it was definitely like doing more harm than it was good after, you know, seventy miles and I would stop and say, you know what? This isn't this isn't doing any good. Um, and that was about that seventy five after that 70, 75 mile, that's how I felt. So
0: Yeah, I refer to that as the break point. And I think that every good runner or seasoned runner knows what their break point is. I used mm-hmm. to, when I do my clinics, I would, you know, ask people, okay, raise your hand if you're at 20 miles, 30 miles, 40 miles, try to get a sense of what kind of volume people were putting in. And then I would mm-hmm. ask people to say, who knows what the break point is for them? What, what's the mileage that is the straw that breaks the camel's back for you? And most seasoned runners know what that is. And they tend mm-hmm. to avoid violating that that threshold and or they figure out that there's something about the way they're moving that's not allowing them to get the volume that they need. And then, Mm -hmm. again, what's necessary is that they go back and start figuring out what the corrections are that they need to make in order to get to a place where they can have the type of volume and intensity that's going to allow them to be competitive. So, obviously enough, you figured it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's actually a hard thing to figure out for elite runners because – you know the mental a lot of times the mentality is more volume, you know, because either they get nervous or so for add, adding more volume and they stop listening to their body or stop communicating with their coaches. Um, so I, I think it's it's something that a lot of a lot of even elite runners need to learn that they're what you call breakpoints.
0: yeah, well, I you know you you nailed it when you said that when athletes have a hard time figuring out what it is, I don't think athletes, elite athletes, should ever coach themselves. You you need somebody else's eyes and ears to be the voice of reason, especially if it's somebody that you trust and that knows you pretty well and can identify when you're doing yourself more harm than you are good. Because sometimes, you you know, you got that hard-headed mentality that you just do not want to quit. You don't want to let yourself down. You feel like if you miss the workout that was set up for you, that you're a loser. You know, you get all this emotional baggage going and, and you screw things up. So it's it's good to have somebody just say, hey, look, you need to take tomorrow off. <laughs> and or, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're where we need to be right now. So just give it a rest.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So now that you're kind of getting your feet wet in OCR, what do you think the magic number is for most women? in order for them to be competitive in the sport. And when I say competitive, I mean being a threat to the top tier athletes in the sport.
1: Um, And what do you mean by number? Well,
0: wh- okay, we're we just, I just got through saying that it's very unique to the individual, but I think that there's there's a lower limit of work that you need to be able to produce in order to be successful. And yeah. so let's just say there's a couple girls talking and, and they're saying, hey, now, so... I'm thinking about getting into the sport seriously. How about how many miles a week do you think I need to be putting in? What's your answer?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say minimum mileage for, you know, an 8 to 10 mile race, I would say some people could get away with 40 miles a week. Okay. Um, with cross training, um, some some girls could get away with 40 miles a week. I'd say um you know, 60 miles a week is probably, I would say, the average and maybe like a, a, a good solid number. If you can hopefully be at 60 miles a week, um, I'd say that's great.
0: I agree with you. I think that yeah. uh, that's a good number. I, uh, I would think that if you're threatened by the ability to produce that type of volume, one of two things is going on is either you're moving poorly. And you're threatened mm-hmm. because you're you're just not getting it done. And if you can't successfully put down that kind of work, it's probably going to be a challenge for you. I think it's going to be a challenge for you because you, as you know, uh, and I'm sure you're very familiar with the women that are successful in the sport are putting in some pretty solid miles, and, yeah, unless they're actually,
1: hurt. Think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I actually don't know what. That's a good question. What any of these girls are are running. Um, I know a lot of them do high mileage, and I know a lot of them do – apparently ski is, like, a huge deal now. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've learned. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: In the sport now, as you're kind of, like, looking at it and trying to make decisions about what races you might want to attend, what do you feel like would be your – your go-to race? Would you prefer flatter courses or would you prefer the mountains? What do you think is going to be your thing?
1: Um, I'm, I'm definitely more of a flat. I can do rolling hills very well um, and I can do flat very well. Um, straight uphill and straight downhill, I would definitely have to tailor my training towards that, which is totally possible. And, you know, I have I live in Boulder, so I have, I've got a great... Training back um, backyard for that, um, but definitely definitely flatters um, and less um, wet is
0: but <laughs> you, you know what's interesting is a, a lot of the girls in the sport that I know would prefer to run the mountain, and which right yeah pro- that's true. Y- yeah which would probably mean that you'd you'd have an advantage over a lot of them on flatter courses. And I'm, I'm not going to use names.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, although like Jacksonville was pretty darn flat. Yeah, it
0: was. Yeah, but it was an ugly course. I mean, aside from being flat, it was. Um, it's an. It was an ugly course, don't you think?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I think it was, but I don't really have much to compare it to. Right. But yeah, I thought it was really ugly.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it was, aside from, I mean, there was some rolling terrain, whatever, but the 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 ground was a little a little messy. It's just, you know, it was a lot of it was just kind of, uh, I guess ugly is the only way I can address it. Um,
1: yeah, it was sloppy. It was, it was a, it was sloppy.
0: And, and I kind of Seattle esque. I know that Seattle's pretty much like that too. It gets pretty sloppy and more, <laughs> more flat, but if it don't rain, that might be the place for you, right?
1: Um, maybe, <laughs> but you know, it's probably going to be pretty wet and muddy from what I hear.
0: Well, it typically is. Uh, that's kind of the ongoing yeah. joke. But uh, I mean, the course is typically a flatter course and it, it bodes well for a quick runner as long as you're good yeah. in the slop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I know Vijay likes that course. He likes sloppy courses. Um, okay. But uh, but uh, the, the thing too is is that most of these courses are in very, very hilly country. They tend to be.
1: Yeah. I've noticed that. I yeah. mean, from what Nicole tells me.
0: So, how do you wear? How do you wear both hats now? Are you kind of like conflicted with it all? I mean, I'm assuming that you're still putting in a lot of road miles.
1: Um, I do most of my runs on rolling trails. I, you know, I think after this last race, um, and. Well, this, like, small little injury thing I'm getting through, um, I realize that, you know, I, I do have to put my all my heart into the Olympic trials. And so I'm less conflicted than I was before Jacksonville.
0: <laughs> you needed Jacksonville to remind you that you probably ought to focus on the Olympics.
1: I did. I really did. I, you know, I thought if I just, you know, Kept my running training as is and added some grip strength stuff. Um, I'd be fine, um, but I really need to not be greedy and realize, you know, this is this chances for injury are way higher once I start doing these things, um, and my focus just get, like gets a little bit off the trials, and I don't think that's going to help me at
0: the trials. Yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. I think that uh, it's like you're talking to your conscious now. Exactly. I I honestly believe you're right. I think you're right because um, you divert your attention off off the bigger picture. If I was to ask, if I lined up 20 of the top athletes in the sport, man or woman, and I said, Mm -hmm. you have a a 99.5% shot at making the Olympic trials, And potentially having a birth in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. But you can also go do this other thing and have a lot of fun with it. But you're gonna have to change, you're gonna have to change your training up a little bit because you're gonna need this grip strength, you're gonna need this and that and the other thing, and that's gonna kind of divert you a little bit from your training modalities that are pertinent for your success in an Olympic opportunity. What would you do? And I don't think there's gonna be anybody to say, eh, you know, Olympics pfft. I'm just going to go do the OCR thing. Right?
1: right. Right, And it's hard because, you know, OCR, like to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is really fun. And I think it could be something that I could be really good at um, and it's exciting and it's new and you know, I hear all this hype around it. So it is hard to be like, no, I'm gonna like, let me just like hold off for a sec, you know, and there's, it's not going to go anywhere in the future. You know, it's only like growing and becoming more popular and better and more competitive. So,
0: you know, the other conundrum is that um, in running, in road running, it's tough to make a living. I mean, yeah, you, you know how it is. I mean, it's like, you can't just like in OCR, at least you can go show up at a race here and there and pull down a few bucks. And, um, you know, if you do real well, you could pick up some sponsors and you can start making a few bucks here and there where in yeah. road, road racing, that's like, that doesn't happen. Right.
1: Yeah. Which is, which is insane to me that there's this, you know, Olympic sport that's been around forever. That's super competitive and you train really hard for these races. And, you know, you these big races, and you walk away. You know, you can win, and you can walk away with the same amount of prize money, maybe as Nicole walks away with when she wins a series. You know? If you're
0: if you're lucky, if you're lucky, exactly. right? I don't know too right. many road races where they're going to hand you a check for five or six thousand um, dollars. Yeah, I mean it's it's like you're either at the big show and you make a lot of money, or you get nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have right. a guy that I work with and i've I've coached and I mentored for a while that it's a good runner. I mean you know for uh, call it a hometown boy, you know he runs like a 223 marathon. he's fast, mm-hmm. you know and th- that's fast <laughs> enough to win a lot of road races. Yeah um, but you go to Boston and throw down a 223 you're just part of the herd. You know, you're not, for a guy, yeah. you can't run a 220. Yeah. You, there's a hundred guys that are going to run a 223 at Boston, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, those hundred guys are going to go home with a t-shirt and, and, a and a happy to be there kind of attitude. That's, that's what they're going to get. Right. Yeah, so, so
1: exactly.
0: So it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, all your, all your nuts in one basket, I guess, you know? Yeah. But the Olympic opportunity is a big deal. I mean, you, you make it to the Olympics, regardless whether you you pull some kind of money out of it in your career in the future the fact that you went to the olympics that's such just such a bucket list kind of a thing i mean how could you not feel good about that right it's worth it right, right. it is
1: worth it yeah. see
0: i'm going to be your conscious that's i called you to do this podcast <laughs> yeah. just to be that soundboard you needed to make the right decisions about your career i you
1: know i i appreciate that I and. Mean, I was almost, like, going to tell you before, like, oh, should I tell him, like, I'm not focusing completely on the OCR this year or before. Maybe he doesn't want to do the interview. But, yeah, I'm, thanks for, you know, encouraging me to
0: make now, the choice now, that now I did. you got if you knew me better, I'm a mercenary now.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I work
0: with <laughs> You know, before, the reason that I was late to this podcast, let me share with you. One of the top CrossFitters in the world, had asked to come see me to help him with his running mechanics because he hurt his knee, and mm-hmm. so they got this whole production and video and this whole thing, because he's kind of a big deal. I'm not going to give you his name. I look at athletes based on their merit, based on their needs, based on demand, and I'm not really a one-trick pony. I came from triathlon. Before triathlon, there was runners. I work with boxers. I work with all kinds of athletes, and to me, mm-hmm. the, and to me uh, in the business that I'm in. I first look at the the individual and what is it they're trying to achieve. And, you know, I can't help myself but to say, hey, this makes sense or that doesn't make sense. You know, it's not like, oh, you got to fit in my box. You don't fit in my box? Oh, no. Well, no, then you're going to just, I'm going to hang up on you. You can't, you know. Right, right. That's not how I roll. You know, it's like I look at the individual, I look at their abilities and I'm more interested in seeing the fruit of the labor. What what can you do? That's what intrigues me working with hunter mcintyre yesterday he's got this big ambition that i I can't share with you i promise i wouldn't talk about it until he's ready to talk about it but he comes to me and says look here's what i'm trying to get done richard can you help me and so we went in to did some diagnostics and took a look at the the damage and circumstance and and we're going to try to figure this out see if we can make this dream he has come true but when mm-hmm. I when I met him initially, and he was really pretty much my introduction to the sport, he came to me with a problem. He's, I want to win the world championships on a mountain, and I got to beat this little dude. And it, you know, I, <laughs> I, I could say this because it's kind of funny and, and it's been heard before. But he was talking about Hobie Call. He says like a chicken nugget with legs. He goes, <laughs> he goes, here I am, this two hundred and five pound guy. And I got to beat this chicken nugget with legs that weighs 140 pounds in a uh, half marathon mountain race, obstacle race, He mm-hmm. goes, it's, right. it's a problem. I, I weigh too yeah. much, I'm too heavy, and uh, it costs too much energy for me to run that far on a mountain. And so mm-hmm. I was intrigued by the challenge. I was intrigued by, well, what do, how can we make this work? And we set about trying to figure it out and see, you know, we had some pretty good success the time we spent together. And I'm only going on that rant simply because it's the same kind of circumstance to me. We've met briefly. I I was intrigued by the numbers that you were tossing around. Mm -hmm. I was intrigued by the fact that you were even going into the sport. And I thought, what can a girl that can run that fast do in obstacle course racing? Mm -hmm. And uh, so... I think we're still going to see more from you because I think you're going to still have some fun with it. But if you can have some fun, win some races, make a few bucks, and still stay on point for the for the uh, Olympics, that's even better.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: What's your dad tell you?
1: Um, my dad is very positive. He's very encouraging. Um, I mean, he, you know, he 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 knows and he wants my my eyes to be on the Olympic trials um he believes in me there um but he also thinks you know I could be a really great OCR racer um and so you know he listens to me and we we talk a lot about my training and what I should do and we're very flexible and you know at first we were like okay let's just you know just like I said before let's do OCRs and while we're training for the trials, and then you know, after like my couple snafus that happened, he's like, now maybe we just go to like world championships. We you know train for, we do a little stability work, we do grip strength work during the season, and maybe we just go to world championships in OCR and focus on the marathon. Um, so you know, we're 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 pliable. We're we're still like talking it through and seeing what. Work the best
0: thing for me to do this year. You know, it's interesting because you know before we got live here and we were discussing your father's uh, history in running, that sounds like a like a perfect thing for him to say because uh, number one, I, I'm not a fan of having my athletes race too often. I yeah. like I like them yeah. to train and prepare to race. And never, mm-hmm. never step into an event that they didn't feel like they had a, a very comfortable opportunity to win.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, of course, you got age groupers and such. That's a different scenario. But if you're right. an right. elite professional, I don't want you racing unless you have a chance to win. Because if you don't think in your heart of hearts that you have a chance to win, you need to start looking at your training. Right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not putting in the training, then we need to look at that and maybe postpone the races until you're ready. Now, saying something like let's focus on world championships under cover of darkness, you prepare yourself for that big show, but at the same token, keep your eye on the prize for the Olympics. I think that's a really smart strategy.
1: Yeah. I mean, he actually emailed me before Jacksonville. I think I was already there. And he's like, hey, now, you know, we know, first of all, we know nothing about OCR racing. This is like so new to us. So he emailed me and he's like, um, so, I realized that you only have to finish like top 95 and then you can go to world. So let's just like skip all these races, keep you healthy and do this, you know? And he, he also reminded me before Jacksonville, he was like, no, just have fun with these. He's like, you've never done them. Like, there's no pressure on you. Just like, go have fun. See how you do. It does not matter. You know? And I was like, Oh, but You're right. Like, I'm. This is not my focus. So, so that that also helped.
0: Hmm. Good. I think I. Does your Does your dad drink scotch?
1: <laughs> um, I don't think he does.
0: No. No. Oh. I was gonna say we could probably get along pretty well, but that is definitely a deal breaker if he doesn't drink scotch.
1: Oh yeah, well, I'm sure he would.
0: <laughs> Cuban cigars.
1: No. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but I I, I like his I, I like his old school mentality. It's it's awesome. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, he
1: like truly have my best interest at heart.
0: No, so. of course, you're his daughter. I mean, cry yeah. out loud. You if he can't get your back, who's going to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, but all right. Well, you know what? Um that was that was insightful. I you know, I feel kind of refreshed having had this opportunity to talk to you about this.
1: Oh, good. How about yeah, you, you? you? You feel better now? <laughs> I feel good. I feel great now. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Maybe I should change my whole format of my show and just like do like a therapy session with people. people well, that's not a bad idea. I, we could instead of call it Natural Running Network, we could call it the Conflicted Athlete Show.
1: Oh, man, you'd get a lot of viewers.
0: Oh, my God. Man. Yeah. But see, you know, yeah. what I what I don't do really well with is bedwetting sissies. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't have a lot of time for that, but somebody that's like trying to think it through. What what is my career path? What what should I really be doing with myself, based on who I am? And you know, it's interesting. Uh, in, I'm going on a rant again, but I can't help it. When okay. I when I because I do assessments, right? I'm doing clinical evaluations on athletes, and they look at me after the test and they go, "Okay, so what do you think?" They always want me to give them this. Well, I think you're capable of doing this, or you're not capable of doing that, or you know, they want they always want me to give them the uh, am I worthy or am I not worthy kind of speech? Yeah. And I hate that because, it, you know, it's a lot of pressure and I don't want to I don't want to misjudge somebody. I don't want to I mean, I could definitely look and say, oh, boy, this guy's got some stuff going on. Right. Or this girl's, mm-hmm. you know, she's got something going on. Uh, but at the same token, I could see somebody that really sucks and say, Whoa, geez, I don't want to go there with it. But I think a show where we could just like say. I really don't know what I want to do with myself, but I'm really having a lot of fun with this, but I probably should do better with that. And uh, it'd be kind of a format where I think a lot of athletes would be loving the opportunity to listen to us kind of talk through these, these concerns. Right.
1: Yeah, I think it's.
0: Look what you've done for me today. What? Look what you've done for me today. <laughs> <couldn't remember> <laughs> you helped me develop an an entirely new format for my show.
1: Who would have known
0: you didn't know it was gonna yeah. end up like this, did you? i
1: I had no idea.
0: yeah, well, I thought
1: you were gonna say, oh, you don't you're not gonna do a oh, wow, well, <laughs> not
0: interested, you, you but, gotta you gotta ask around. you know <laughs> anybody would so, tell you so that guy you know we realize first of all, you have to realize that number one, I have never done an OCR event in my life. hmm <laughs> Right? I mean, right. there's right. that, right? So I am really more a fly on the wall. I'm a consultant, analysis. You know, I got some background in sport, but uh, not in this sport. I, w- I, wish, I wish that when I was 30 that there was OCR. Yeah. Because it was, you know, it was tailor-made for me when I was 30.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. But right. not, now that I'm 66, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, now that I'm 66, I need to go out and start doing these uh, crazy-ass mountain runs with uh, freezing water. Yeah. You know, it's no, no. I'm, I'm, yeah.
1: There's things for you, but I don't
0: know. Maybe. No, no. Look, I I know I, I'm very comfortable in my position. I know exactly what I need to do. And I'm doing it. And I'm and part Good. of it was just to provide consultation for you, help you get to the Olympics, you know, just mm-hmm. get your mind right, helping you get your mind right so you can go get your eye on the prize. And and uh, in the meantime, have a little fun with Nicole and knock out a couple of these races and take home a couple bucks and, uh, yeah. you know, impress your yeah. friends.
1: Right. Simple. Awesome. Yeah. Love it.
0: So now uh, we're gonna we're gonna shut this down because I'm now I'm just getting stupid. But um, before we go, is there anything that you would like to say to anybody or shout out to anybody in the audience that gonna hear hear from you? What would you like to say to them?
1: Oh um, wow, that's that's a lot of pressure. A lot of hey there. <laughs> um, no, I mean just.
0: See you at the races? See
1: you at the races, yeah. I mean, like, I respect everyone in the sport. I think it's amazing. I think it's awesome that these people are out there being crazy people, going through this mud. Um, Yeah, I hope to to be um, competitive in the sport in the future. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sure you will be, you know. Thanks. Unless I talked you out of it
1: right i know we'll see
0: see what happens regardless of what happens now i wish you the very best of luck and i know you and i and uh, nicole talked about you guys coming out this way one day and maybe spend a couple minutes with us at the secret lab and see if we can you know have some fun
1: yeah sounds
0: good yeah so i will see you on the trail somewhere i will see you probably i'll probably be at world championships and uh, you know I'll be there to pat you on the back and shake your hand and wish you all the best.
1: Awesome, sounds
0: good. All right, thank you, now. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network, drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.